the first thing he does is he goes to the God of heaven. He doesn't look to the stars like the astrologers. He looks to the God who made the stars. He's seeking the Lord God, and he knows that if he does not lift up his voice to God, where God gives him an answer, then he will not have a voice to lift up. Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church of Beaufort, South Carolina. We're continuing our study of the book of Daniel, a book that clearly illustrates God at work in His chosen people. As we pick up, we find that King Nebuchadnezzar has had troubling dreams, and he has called on his sorcerers and magicians to interpret his dream. But rather than tell them about his dream, he expects them to tell him what the dreams are before giving an interpretation. Let's rejoin Dr. Brogy as he begins reading from chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, and talks about these so-called experts. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who could declare the matter for the king. They're right about that. Inasmuch as no great king or ruler has ever asked anything like this of any magician, conjurer, or Chaldean. Moreover, the thing which the king demands is difficult, and there is no one else who could declare it to the king except God's whose dwelling place is not with mortal flesh. I mean, you talk about sheer arrogance. They basically saying, King, if we don't know the answer, then nobody knows the answer. They think that wisdom begins and ends with them. But there was a man in the kingdom by the name of Daniel. And it didn't originate with him. We will see it originated with God. But they don't like Daniel. They hate Daniel. They hate his religion, as we're going to see, because they hate Jewish people. And throughout the history of the Jewish people, they are the most despised people on the face of the earth. There is no people in the history of humanity that have had more attacks and more hatred against them than the Jewish people. And it's going to get worse because we will see not just in the prophet Daniel, but in the revelation given to John, that all the nations of the world are going to come against Israel. And so these arrogant men dogmatically say, there's not a man on earth who can declare such a thing. They're saying, listen, king, if a magician and an astrologer and a Chaldean can't answer it, then nobody can answer it. And the intellects of our day, they, they think they have the answers to questions like, who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? Who am I? Well, you know, you're, you're a piece of cosmic dust out of the universe. Where did I come from? You know, out of the glue, into the zoo, that became you. That's what they tell us. They say we originated from monkeys. That's what they teach our kids, and we wonder why they want to live like animals. Where am I heading back? Well, in the end, you know, you're going to end back into that big energy source we call the universe. Sheer ignorance, just like these men are ignorant. But when a person is born again... God the Holy Spirit comes to inhabit them. And Paul says to the Corinthians, they have the mind of Christ. What does that mean? It means they have a new capacity to think their thoughts after God's thought. Doesn't mean they'll always think right. And so we're called to renew our minds, to grow in our knowledge of the Holy Scripture. But we now have a new ability that we didn't have before we met the living God. 
And so God tells us, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver as you search for her as hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes understanding and knowledge. I took a course as a freshman at Boston College. It was called the History of Western Civilization. We studied every major philosopher from Aristotle to the present. Two semesters of that gibberish. And it was taught by a Jesuit priest. You know, every Jesuit, of which the Pope is one, has a minimum of 17 years of formal schooling after high school before they come into this position and title called a Jesuit. This guy had more than that. In fact, he had three earned doctorates. He had a doctor of jurisprudence. He's a lawyer. He had a doctor of philosophy, and he also had a doctor of dental surgery, three doctorates of sorts. And he was considered one of the brightest men on the East Coast. But as I listened to him as a new believer, I realized that the janitor that I became friends with in that building, who was a born-again Christian, had more insight to life than this man with three doctorates. And if you're born again and you are learning the Word of God and your mind is being renewed, then you'll have God's answers. Jesus said in Matthew 11, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and you've revealed them to infants, to babes. Some things only come by divine illumination and that illumination is found in this book. But these professionals say, nobody can ask what you ask, King. Only the gods could tell them that. It's an amazing admission here in verse 11. The thing that the king demands is difficult. But these are guys who say they interface with the gods, but they admit their own failure. And that's what makes Daniel so distinct. And that's what can make you so distinct. Now, I'm not saying that what Oprah and the Mormon cult and others are saying that you need to get in touch with the God within you. It is true, the Bible says you become a temple of the Holy Spirit. You become partakers of the divine nature. But you don't become some little God as in Mormonism. You don't get in touch with the God within you as Oprah says. You get in touch with the God of heaven as he's revealed himself in the Bible. And the Holy Spirit who lives in you will help you. He's called our helper to illumine the truth. You don't get revelation. Revelation is found in Scripture. But God will give you illumination. He will help you to understand the revelation that he has given. But here in verse 11, these wise men admit their fakes. Verse 12, the king, of course, is furious. Because of this, the king became indignant and very furious, and gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they looked for Daniel and his friends to kill them. And as soon as the decree is signed, off goes Arioch, the head of this detail, to go after the wise men. That brings us to the third part. Beyond the king and his distress, the scholars in their dilemma, we now come to the prophet and his Desire, the prophet and his desire. Now, this final section that we're going to look at today divides into four parts. And as you study the Bible, one of the things you want to look for is for words that repeat themselves. And God naturally unfolds it in four acts, so to speak, with the word then. I have it circled in my Bible, the word then. 
It appears four times in the text, and I want you to circle it in your Bible. The first one comes in verse 14. The second then comes in verse 17. The third comes in verse 18. And then the final then comes, of course, at the start of verse 25. So we begin now with the king's problem. When Arioch, the royal executioner, comes and finds Daniel, notice how Daniel responds. He's very calm. Then Daniel replied with discretion and discernment to Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He said to Arioch, the king's commander, for what reason is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch informed Daniel about the matter. By the way, if you really know what you are like, you'll know when a crisis comes into your life. And while it is true that courage is often developed in the midst of a crisis, we'll never be calm in the midst of a crisis if we've not prepared ourselves for calamities. And the only way to prepare yourself is to do it the way this man did, by knowing God's Word. With discretion, with discernment, he just calmly asked Arioch, for what reason is the decree so urgent? Now, we've already seen that God has given Daniel favor. We saw it in the first chapter with Asphanes, when he wants his diet adjusted. And he obviously has the same kind of favor with Arioch, because Arioch doesn't just come in with the sword and say, there's Daniel, there's his three, get them all, kill them! Comes in, he tells them the decree. Verse 16, so Daniel went in and requested of the king that he would give him time in order that he might declare the interpretation to the king. Now, evidently, he not only had Arioch's respect, but he had the king's respect. We read that in chapter 1. He looked at Daniel and his group of friends, and he said, we can't produce anyone like them in our kingdom. These guys are 10 times better than anything we can come up with. And so the king listens to Daniel, not to mention he doesn't have some excuse, well, tell me the dream and I'll tell you. No. He says, king, just give me a little time. And the king basically says, you've got some time, Daniel. Which brings us to Daniel's prayer beginning now in verse 17. The second then, circle it. Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah, about the matter. He basically says, guys, we're going to have a prayer meeting tonight. I mean a serious one. <laughs> he informed them, verse 18, so that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So his first reaction is to go to God in prayer. Let us go to God in prayer. Let us seek compassion from the God of heaven. He's asking for God's mercy. And the New Testament compels us to do the same. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, we can do one of two things when trouble comes to our life. We can panic, or like Daniel, we can pray to the God of heaven. And this is really neat what he does, and in many ways a rebuke. Because many times when we come into a real difficulty, you know, we read a text like this, but tomorrow the bottom falls out or we come into some misfortune or setback or reversal and we go to our friends and we tell them and we speak to our wife, but the last person we go to is God. The first thing he does is he goes to the God of heaven. He doesn't look to the stars like the astrologers. He looks to the God who made the stars. He's seeking the Lord God, and he knows that if he does not lift up his voice to God, where God gives him an answer, then he will not have a voice to lift up. 
And so he's seeking the Lord. Now remember who these guys are. They're just youths. They're like 17, 18 years old. But they have power in prayer. How are they so bold in prayer? Because they have great faith. Where do they get great faith? From the Word of God. We saw that in the first chapter. These were men who knew what Torah said, and they're committed to doing what God says. Prayer is nothing if it's not done in faith. You must pray in faith, and faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And you may be a teenager here today, but you can have power with God. Listen, some of the greatest revivals in the history of America were started by teenagers, young people who got before God and sought the living God and He used them in a mighty way. Daniel 1.17, put this request in perspective. As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. See, God had given Daniel a gift. He had a gift by which through visions and dreams he could understand life. Now, you have a gift. If you've been saved the day God saved you, he gave you a spiritual gift. Everyone in this room who's born again has a spiritual gift. You may not know what it is, just like when you hold a newborn baby, you may not know what his natural talents are. Whether he's going to be a singer or a poet or an athlete, you don't know until he grows. When you get a spiritual gift distinct from a natural talent and you begin to grow, then that gift manifests itself. And as we begin to discover our gifts, sometimes we, we say, oh God, please use me. I need your help. Please help me, oh God. And God blesses. And then after a while, we see success. And we rest in our success and we rest in our own ability, but not Daniel. He had already had, they're not, we're not told what they are, visions and dreams. But again, he's seeking the God of heaven, which brings us to Daniel's praise. The third then, Daniel's praise. The answer comes during the night. So before rushing off into the presence of the king, once he gets the answer, he spends time in the presence of God. Look at verse 19. Then, then, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Now remember, visions are done while you're awake, but it's like you're asleep. Dreams in the Bible are done when you are asleep. This happened at night, but he was awake, but it was like he was asleep. In either case, then Daniel did what? Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel said, let the name of God be blessed forever and ever. For wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the times and the epics. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you for you have made known to us the king's matter. So when God reveals the dream to Daniel, he doesn't rush into the king's palace and say, hey, king, let me tell you. No, he lingers in the presence of God and he goes into this praise session and he praises God in seven ways. It's a sermon itself. Verse 20, he blesses God saying, for wisdom and power belong to him. I mean, after all, he is the God of heaven, the all-powerful one to whom Daniel is praying. Second, he declares in verse 21, it is he who changes the times and the epics. 
Third, in verse 21, he removes kings and establishes kings. We're going to see that in terms of the meaning of the vision that is about to take place. We're going to see God establishing times and epics, raising up kings and taking kings down. Um, fourth, Daniel praises God in verse 21. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. God doesn't give wisdom and knowledge to just anyone but to people whom he deems to be wise and understanding. Fifth, he blesses God in verse 22, stating, he reveals the profound and hidden things. And by the way, God still wants to do that for you today. He wants to be your teacher. He wants to be your helper as you study the word of God. Six in verse 22, he praises God because he knows what is in the darkness and the light seventh dwelleth with him. Light and darker, light to him, the Bible says. What a model for us. When he gets the answer, he blesses the living God. He says, God, I just want to praise you. I just want to bless you for what you've just shown me. And by the way, if you study the pronouns very, very carefully here, he refers to the Lord God 13 times, and he refers to himself and his friends five times, but even those five times is in the context of towards the living God. It's all God-centered. It's all upward. What an incredibly mature person. What an incredibly outstanding young person being 17 or 18 years of age. I want to be like Daniel. I want to be a truly thankful person because God knows by nature that none of us are. Jesus knows what's in the heart of men. I want to be like the one leper who turned back and fell on his face and praised God. And so he asked God to intervene and God intervened and he blessed the living God. Maybe we should have a Wednesday night prayer meeting where we don't ask God for a single thing but we just thank him and praise him for what he has done. And by the way, the two are inseparable in the Bible. We like to have our nice little categories, acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. You don't find those in the scripture. Praise and thanksgiving are interwoven in the word of God all the way through the Psalms, which is why the writer of the Hebrews says, through him then let us continually offer up sacrifices of praise to God. How? That is through the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Prayer without praise is nothing short of ingratitude. Verse 24, therefore Daniel went into Arioch, remember he's the supervisor, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went in and spoke to him as follows. Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me into the king's presence and I will declare the interpretation to the king. Now keep in mind, this is Daniel's initiative to go to Antioch, which brings us to the final section, Daniel's proclamation. I'm done in three minutes. Stay with me. Verse 25, then, circle it, then Antioch hardly brought Daniel into the king's presence and spoke to him as follows. I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can make the interpretation known to the king. Will you listen to this fellow, Arioch? I have found a man as if this were Arioch's heroics. I mean, he'd make a good politician. He should run for governor. He's greedy. No doubt wants some of the reward that Nebuchadnezzar has promised in verse 6. He wants to take credit, but Nebuchadnezzar's not stupid. He recognizes Daniel and his friends, his men of integrity, and follow very carefully when Daniel tells how it all took place. 
The king, verse 26, said to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen in its interpretation? Now please notice how he's careful to give God all the glory. Daniel answered before the king and said, As for the mystery about which the king has inquired, neither wise men, conjurers, magicians, nor diviners are able to declare it to the king. And I'm sure these guys are probably all standing around in the back row. He's basically saying, look, your majesty, you've been looking in all the wrong places. You've been looking to astrologers and wise men and conjurers. You've been looking below. You need to look above. Verse 28, however, there is a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And He has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. This was your dream and the visions in your mind while on your bed. As for you, O king, while on your bed, your thoughts turn to what would take place in the future. And he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what will take place. And he gives us a snake preview into our next session that you do not want to miss. He's going to take us all the way from Nebuchadnezzar to the Antichrist. But as for me, verse 30, this mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me more than in any other living man, but for the purpose of making the interpretation known to the king and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. Now, several applications shout to me off this page of Scripture. Number one, I learned that when we contribute to the work of God with our time, talents, and treasure, that God alone deserves all the honor and glory for what has been accomplished. Daniel has one concern, that God's name be lifted up. Now obviously you read these first two chapters and you recognize this is an intelligent kid. He's a bright teenager. He's got a good self-image. He's got an outgoing personality. And I mean, what a contrast though between him and Arioch. Because when Daniel gets up, he doesn't take any bows like Arioch. He doesn't say, well, king, I've got this special ability, and let me tell you what I found out. No, 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 no. God did this. He understood what the prophet Isaiah had written a hundred years before. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not share my glory with another. It's amazing what God can do through a man, through a woman, through a teenager who is willing to give God the credit? Have you learned the truth of giving God honor? Second, I learned from this passage that God empowers the gifts He has given His people through prayer. Now we learn that God is sovereign in this book, but we also learn that God unleashes His sovereignty and His miraculous power through prayer. And sometimes as Christians, we go to extremes. We either emphasize God's sovereignty to the neglect of man's responsibility or we emphasize human responsibility to the neglect of God's empowerment. When we pray, you are making a difference. When you pray in faith, when you align yourself with God's power, seeking God's blessing. Daniel doesn't come into the king's throne room enamored with himself. He comes into the throne room of the king and he says, there is a God in heaven. And some of us will not be there until God breaks us. And when the bottom falls out of our life 
after years of foolishness, trying to pull this thing off we call the Christian life on our own. And then God will break us and we recognize there is a God in heaven. You have problems. There is a God in heaven. You have some dilemma you're facing today and you think it's absolutely hopeless. There is a God in heaven. You have a wayward child. There is a God in heaven. You have some financial turn back. There is a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven who wants to meet you, but you must meet Him. And it starts with the one that Daniel is going to preach to us about. Daniel is going to preach to us about Messiah who's to come. But he will show us so clearly in one of the most remarkable prophecies in all the Bible that Messiah has come. And His name is Jesus. And if you will come to Him today, He will receive you. Now, our Father, we thank You today for Your Word, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Help us to be a church of Daniels, men and women who seek to honor You above all else, men and women who do not look to our own strength and resources and talents and skills and abilities, but to You and You alone. Thank You, our Father, that there may be some here today who are listening who have never met You. They've never, in the first sense, known You in a personal, life-changing, born-again way. And it's because they've never trusted that what Jesus did on the cross is sufficient. Thank You that You can say today is the day to be saved. Thank You that Your Word teaches that salvation is not a reward given to the righteous. It is a gift given to those who are guilty to those who will come and say in simple faith on the basis of the cross, on the basis of the One who died in our place, who was raised for us, that whoever will call on Jesus' name will be saved. Have you ever done that? You can come to Him today if you will come like a child. If you admit your bankruptcy that you cannot be your own Savior, if you will ask Jesus to save you, He'll do it right now and forever. Why don't you say there in your heart, Lord Jesus, save me. Father, we look at our world and it is such a mess. We look at our nation and it is disintegrating before our eyes. But we thank you there is a God in heaven. We thank you that you reign supreme, that you know what you are about, that You're going to use even the Gentile nations of this world in all of our arrogance and disobedience and rebellion to bring Your Son from heaven. And we look forward to that day, Lord Jesus. Even so, come. We ask in Your name. Amen. To listen again to today's message entitled, A King's Nightmare from Daniel Chapter 2, use the Search the Scriptures app for smartphones and tablets, or visit us online at searchthescriptures.org. You can also call us at our toll-free number 877-787-7478 and request a CD or DVD copy. Just ask for program DAN2. Tomorrow we'll begin a look at dreams that come true. Join us then 
as we search the scriptures. 